Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we take a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my man who loves discerning human nature in the wilderness. It's Palmer. How are you today? Uh, I've been feeling a little under the weather. I've had a lot of plegum. Plegums? You've had some... Yep. You've had some plegums? I've had some plegums. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I am sorry to hear that. You know the word is phlegm, right? Yes. It's called a joke. Yeah. Because it was in cabaret. I remember... Obviously, it's not like I actually, um, uh, it's not like I watched the movies. didn't watch these weeks ago waiting for you to catch up or anything. Um, so anyway, we're here to talk about the 1973 Best Picture nominees for the Academy Awards. They are as follows, Deliverance, Cabaret, Sounder, The Emigrants, and The Godfather. Palmer, what won Best Picture? The Emigrants. Yeah, you know that's not true. You know it was The Godfather. <laughs> it's like the one movie that everyone can go, yes, The Godfather won Best Picture. That's the one. That one and titanic i think everyone goes oh what one best picture these two they definitely won there's no question <laughs> oh goodness gracious no it was not the you know immigrants. that's a that's a pretty good idea now i want to make like a list of like 25 really well-known movies that were nominated for best picture and put like five that actually want to be like which one of these actually won yeah well i mean sometimes and it, see how many people get it right it surprises us even in here sometimes i mean the godfather like you look at this list of movies and you're like yes i know some of them or I've seen some of them but obviously The Godfather is the one that trumps that but sometimes you look at you know we haven't gotten there yet but like people will assume Citizen Kane won and it didn't you know stuff like that so um, we'll see as we go so anyway let's dive right into it I made a joke about Deliverance so let's start there with Deliverance John Borman written by James Dickey based on his novel starring John Voight, Burt Reynolds and Ned Beatty nominated for Best Picture Director and Editing this movie won zero awards. So, oh, thank God. I thought you'd be happy about that. Um, the plot is <laughs> intent on seeing uh, the Kalawasi River before it's dammed and turned into a lake. Outdoor fanatic Lewis Melnick takes his friends on a canoeing trip they'll never forget into the dangerous American backcountry. And there's some shady stuff and people almost die and then people do die and then they question the very nature of humanity. Um, I'd only ever seen the beginning of Deliverance. I'd, I don't. Um, I, uh, I'd only ever seen the beginning I, you know i saw the you know yeah. I, I don't know why i saw that and nothing else um because it's the only part worth watching i disagree i really enjoyed deliverance and honest to gosh i really didn't think i was going to like this this has not me written all over it like oh can outdoor canoeing adventure a eh? like southern <laughs> southern yep southern gothic gross thriller a eh? like not my bag at all and i Outdoors, outdoors. Hey, eh? eh, no, I like the outdoors. Um, so, um, it just, I just wasn't really looking forward to it. I find the deep south, like the backwoods country, that they they dub creepy, right? And so, and it and it plays to that. And so, I was kind of expecting to be a little. I was expecting more of a like um, the creepy, the creepy backwards southerners who are probably cannibals 
chase the chase the city folk, and they like you know. No, I, that's I, hills have eyes. That's later on in this decade. Yeah, or earlier in this decade. Early. I don't know. Yeah, I, it was. That's what I was expecting, and I got a movie that was really more about like it was really more like I don't know, adult Lord of the Flies, or you know, on a river, or something like that. You know, like once once you go down the bad path, what stops you? What stops the paranoia or the you know think the backwards thinking or how like what is really separating you from what is really separating you from your morality or what you see as other people's moralities like it asked bigger questions than i thought it was i was expecting like a like a rambo on the river i guess and that's not what i that's not what i watched so it makes more sense now as to why it was nominated based on what i thought it was versus what i saw i i expected an action movie and i got a like thinky thriller um and so i was pleasantly surprised uh you dislike this movie tell me why uh, yeah i think you i think you uh looked way too far into it i really didn't it was literally right and there in the movie no no so the 70s has this thing especially you can definitely tell like 70s movies most of the time like you can generally tell 80s movies too like those are the two i think most distinct decades uh in film uh the 50s and 60s i think can kind of be interchangeable depending on uh how much they're talking about world war ii maybe mm-hmm. or but, how they're like, talking about world war ii i think is more the yeah. distinction yeah so but like the 70s has like almost like grim gritty depression written all over it and the 70s came out with some of like this isn't a horror movie but the 70s came out with like some big horror movies that i don't think like i've watched and i don't understand why hills have eyes last house on the left Mm -hmm. i spit on your grave these are all like in the same vein of torture porn before um the torture porn genre really became a thing Mm -hmm. and this falls dangerously close like i don't uh, you think so i don't need it doesn't come as close as i thought it did until i watched the movie because the only the only thing you really know about the movie before you watch it is is the scene with the backwoods people kidnapping john boy and ned Bates. yes i didn't even know that i I just knew and you think like that's the entire movie and it's not uh but it's enough like i don't really like that type of depiction sure oh yeah do you mean you don't like that type like of it does horror nothing, like, or thriller or like you just don't need to see yeah like i don't i don't bad. think it adds anything to the plot i don't think it does it doesn't serve the movie in any way. It's there for it's there for shock's sake. What? And... No, it's the whole point of the movie is that they're carefree. They don't like they're not thinking about what like what life could throw at them. Life throws something huge at them and they have to reassess their whole value system. That's like that's exactly the point of the movie is this. That's the point of the movie, but you can do that without going to that extent. Sure. I, I so so you're so you're you saying that like the actions that the the the, the antagonists in the film let's just call them that the antagonists right. in the film you don't like the the route that they were going you'd rather that they were like i don't know cannibals or in or um something like that instead of instead of um sexual yeah. deviants yes and you know and i'm not just talking like this movie like almost any movie that has that sort of sexual deviant deviancy in it i find very hard to sit through and watch and i understand 
understand that that's the point. It's supposed to make you uncomfortable. But I feel like there's enough there's enough in the world that you could do that it's a line that I would prefer not to see drawn in a movie. Okay. Um, I respect that. I respect that. I respect that and, very much. And then, you know, after that, it's just like, I don't know. It, it has it. it it has its moments, but I find none of the characters particularly likable. Like, even the beginning, they're all, like, these four guys are just making fun of the Hill people. So, it's like, well, you know, I kind of hope they murder you. Like, yep. I had that same feeling. I had the exact, I totally agree. They are all unlikable, and by the end, they're just even more unlikable because of what they've done to survive. Except maybe, except maybe, um... Ned Beatty. Burt Reynolds. Cause oh, like, yeah, right, because he starts... No, no, Definitely not Ned Beatty. Right, no, he but uh, Ned, but Burt Reynolds like starts hard and ends hard. He's like, Life's tough, let's go. And then by the end he's like, I told you life was right, tough. Right, but he's like, Oh, I got shot ow, I got shot. I'm out the rest of this movie. You guys do all the bad stuff without me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's like, yeah, he kill he kills a guy, but he kills a guy that's assaulting his friends. Like his one thing in this movie is justified. Right, right. Whereas the the paranoia of John Voight in all of like their their work afterwards is not justified. So you really have three right. different angles of violence right here where you have where it wants you to look at all three. It wants you to look at um, like the evils of, of forethought, the maybe the, the heroism of protection and then the um, the downfall of paranoia like all of these different types of yeah. what brings about violence. Yeah. So that's why I thought the movie now was you, actually really interesting. Yeah. You could argue like, you know, did did Burt Reynolds have to kill the guy? Probably not, but, you know, no, in but... a split-second situation, you kind of, you know, you kind of unfortunately have to take what you get in that in that instance. But, I mean, other than that, like, these, you know, look, let's just let's just say it. These guys got what was coming to them for going out into, into the wilderness. Sure. Like, this is why you never leave your house. <laughs> you know, people are come like, into your house. You know that, right? Like... <laughs> right, but it's, it's much less of a chance than if you leave. Sure. Like, a billion people cannot fit inside your house. Only, like, a couple hundred. <laughs> Outside in the world, there's over a billion people. And, you know, that's harder to control. Sure. Whatever makes this you... This is why I don't go hiking. I was going to say, whatever helps you sleep at night is totally fine. Yeah. Um, that's why I don't go jogging or hiking or really do any exercise whatsoever. That's correct. That's right. You hear those stories about, you know, like, you know, man dies man dies a gym from working out. And you're like, see? I told you. <laughs> like, you know, see... Yeah. As opposed to like all the all the other people that pass away from like heart conditions and yeah. whatever else because they didn't exercise. Man, You're like, but that one guy, man mauled by man mauled by bear jogging down the street. See, this is why I don't go jogging. This there is... are no bears around you. There's one in a zoo somewhere. That's correct, and it could get out at that one time. You never know. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, give me some fun facts about deliverance. Deliverance fun facts is what I'm going to do once I find my notes up. That's our new uh, fun fact intro. It was, it was beautiful, truly. Yeah. To minimize costs, the production wasn't insured, and the actors did their own stunts. John Voight climbed the cliff. Wow. Really? Good for John yeah. Voight. Well, it didn't look yeah. like he was actually climbing at all, and it was totally green screen, but it turns out yeah. it was real. Good for John Voight. <laughs> turns out it was real, and they shot it really badly. Yeah. Okay. Well, then. Uh, also, also, as far as, like, because it wasn't insured and the actors did their own stunts, uh, Burt Reynolds actually killed that guy. Wow. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) Following the film, tourism increased to Raboon County by the tens of thousands. By 2012, tourism was the largest source of revenue in the county. John Voight's stunt double for this film, Claude Terry, later purchased equipment used in the movie from Warner Brothers. He founded what is now the oldest whitewater rafting adventure company on the Chattauga River. Southeastern Expedition. By 2012, rafting had developed as a $20 million industry in the region. Wow. That's... Look at that. This movie did good things. Yeah. And now the version of the movie that I want. Jack Nicholson agreed to play Ed as long as Marlon Brando played Lewis. However, the actor's combined fees added up to more than $1 million, half of the movie's budget, forcing John Borman to cast cheaper actors. Oh, that would have been amazing. I would have loved to have seen that version. Yeah, well, listen yes, because... here. We gotta go down the river. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Marlon, why are you doing an accent? I didn't really want to do this movie. I didn't think you would agree to my pay. Yeah. Oh, you're oh, you're playing it blind. Oh, we got to do the whole movie over again. You know that story from Val with Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando, the was the, the island of Doctor Monroe. And no, it was yeah. not Val Kilmer. It was Ron Perlman, I think. And and like Marlon Brando didn't want to do it, and he was like so he was being a hor- horrible the way that it was done, and then he realized that Ron Perlman, I think, was playing his character blind. He was like, oh, I didn't know that's what you were doing. Now I have a whole better way of acting. Let's do it again. And he was like, no, (laughs) we're not doing it again. Uh, like, oh, I actually care now. It's too late, Marlon. It's too late. <laughs> we really missed a chance with a uh, with an Orson Welles, Marlon Brando team-up movie. <laughs> oh, man, I would have loved to have not been on set for that. I'm sure it was a nightmare. Marlon Brando and Orson Welles, directed by Stanley Kubrick. They're still making it, did you know? <laughs> it's like, take 1,074. They're all dead, but it's still... <laughs> yeah, they're still making it. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go to Cabaret, directed by Bob Fosse, written by Jay Preston Allen, based on the musical by Joe Masteroff, based on the play by John Van Druten, based on the stories of Christopher Isherwood, starring Liza Minnelli, Michael York, Helmut Green, and Joel Gray. Nominated for Best Picture, an adapted screenplay, the movie won Best Actress for Minnelli, Supporting Actor for Gray, Director, Cinematography, Art Direction, Sound, Editing, and Music. Story revolves around a female girly club entertainer in the Wilmar Republic Berlin uh, in the Wilmer Republic era Berlin, where two romances pop up between two men and sh- her while the Nazi party rises to power around them. Um, I had seen Cabaret on stage before. I'd never seen the movie, so I was looking forward to this one because mm-hmm. I had vague recollection of what the, the show was and the music and how it was structured and everything like that. And I was totally blown away by the caliber of the movie. Um, I loved almost everything about it, the way that it was. I loved the way that it was shot. I thought it was well acted story's great i knew the story already so it didn't it didn't shock me there but i thought that um playing with the structure of the musical in like in the well the musical does this on stage too but it plays with the like vaudevillian style um the vaudevillian style show um you know before there was musicals there was vaudeville and opera and then you get musicals by kind of smushing those two things together and so it's um it kind of plays with that idea in the film with the master of ceremonies with joel gray and how all of the songs are commentary on the main story of Liza Minnelli's character and Michael York and then the rise of Nazism or national socialism inside Germany in the early 30s um, so I just thought it was I thought it was wonderful I was like it's peak Fosse like everything is Bob Fosse at its at its highest and I really really enjoyed it what did you think 
Um, so I've been wanting to see either the stage show or this for a while, and I really only knew the main song, but I, I enjoyed this. I thought Liza Minnelli, who I only know, like, from her later years, mm-hmm. and, um, so I never really saw her, uh, at her, like, peak, and, like, she is excellent in this. She is very beautiful. Um, the Master of Ceremonies scares the hell out of me. Oh, yes, as he and should. Will now the be... thing of nightmares. Yep, and will now be uh, replacing the white whale in my nightmares. Uh, one of the things that I found interesting was like this is this is absolutely an inspiration for Chicago. Well, yeah, it's they're both not they're, necessarily the story, but the but the framing. They're both well, they're both Fosse. Chicago is another Fosse show, um, and so right. But this wasn't a Fosse show originally. No, it was Bob Fosse, Fosse took it and directed it and made it a Fosse show. Right. But then he applied that to Chicago, and then the movie Chicago went back and looked at Cabaret and went, okay, how did they? do this and then you get the movie Chicago um right so you're right even to the extent like even some to the extent like the some of the like the piano runs mm-hmm. that you hear are almost identical to the piano runs in Chicago well it's the same it's the same style of it's um it's the same style of music so the, the jazz and blue jazz jazz and blues have particular what are called runs like you said so there's like particular keys you have to hit in order to be either a jazz run or a blue run so can Considering that they're the same type of music, then um, so they one two they one two there you go. Um, I want to actually know yeah. Chicago musical. I'm going to look it up. Chicago was 70s. Chicago was the 70s. I was just looking at the yeah um, Fred Ebb and John Kander. No, I was just curious if it was the same um, if if it had any of the same uh, people involved, but it does not. Apart from Bob Fosse um, doing the music, doing directing the show, um, directing right. the movie here. Yeah, um, and then the one thing. I don't like is uh, this because I saw this online and like I love musicals one of my biggest problems with Chicago was I felt like it tried to make sense out of a musical by whenever there was a musical number it shifted the it shifted the audience back to the club mm-hmm. so the so the singing makes sense and Cabaret does the same thing you did but you didn't like that correct why didn't you like because that? because if you're, you're going to be a musical just like I I want people singing in spots where, you know, it makes sense. Like shifting them shifting back to the club for no reason sure. to do the song. Yeah. Is you know, it doesn't Well, that's because the song the song is commentary. The song isn't plot driven. So like there's if you're looking But at in the, the original the, musical it is. Uh no, not really. It's the same it's the same songs. So it's just the it's, the setting might be different. But they, but the, um, let me get what I'm gonna say out so then you can yeah. you can argue. So there are in a in a musical like a traditionally structured musical there are kind of two main ways two main things that that what music does so like a, a general musical you're it's all about the emotions so then you have so your emotions you speak it when you can't speak it anymore then you sing it when you can't sing it anymore then you dance it out those are kind of like that's the elevation of of emotions in a musical um when they're when the words when spoken words fail you you sing it when when musical words or lyrics say, they 
then you dance. And so um, there are different types of musicals. There are there's stuff like, say, like The Sound of Music, in which they are singing about stuff pertaining to their to their core emotions or to the plot, like the, the main structure of the plot. Like, how do you solve a problem like Maria? Like, I have to figure, we have to figure out, this is what Maria is like, this is what she does, and we have to figure out a way to solve that problem. You know, that that's a traditional musical. But Cabaret is a musical commentary, so all of the songs are not really about the plot. They're not singing about Liza Minnelli's character and her relation in, like, they're like, oh, how do you solve a problem like Liza Minnelli? It's more like, here's this song that is just a, could be a generic song, but if you're listening, then it applies to the situation without actually calling attention to specific, like, specific characters or their names or exact locations or things like that. Um, so it's, it's less, it's less traditional than what you would typically see in a musical. I'm trying to think of an equivalent that is not coming in, but none are coming to, none are coming exactly to my mind. But, right. Yeah, so it doesn't, so I haven't saying, like, it, for the, it wouldn't make sense, because it wouldn't make sense for her to sing some of those songs to, say, like, Michael York, because they're not, she's not really singing to him directly, it's more the essence of the situation. Um, and some of the songs are not even directly related to them they're related to the rise of you know you know nazism or or whatever else and so it's a little different i can under it just might be you don't like that style of musical as opposed to like the location to which things happen is that is that more correct um not necessarily like if they if they kind of fit those into the framing of the movie and the scenes in which they were shooting and didn't pull you back to the club just for the song mm-hmm. i think it would work better so so my thing is just the fact like i feel like they're pulling you out of the movie to do the song and that's not what a musical should be doing a musical should kind of integrate it seamlessly and i don't feel it does it successfully that's fine that's fine to to each is to each his own at at different moments yeah. um other than that you know the bob fossey uh, uh choreography is great like normal uh liza minnelli is great basil is really good basil. even and basil expedition basil. yeah Yes. Yeah, like he's Basil. Basil. Like I, I he's also I, um, I sat. He's also Tybalt in Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, he's Basil. Okay, so I sat there for the first third of this movie, going, I know this guy from somewhere, and then like by the second third of the movie, I was like, it's Basil. <laughs> That's actually my wife and I are huge fans of the Austin Powers movies. Like early into quarantine, we were like, oh, we should watch the first one, and then we ended up watching all three and like commenting on like the actual character progression of Austin Powers and like how we st- it was uh, wild days those quarantine days but um, <laughs> but I like I was watching uh, I was watching this and I knew Michael York was Basil Exposition and whatever else but my wife walks in the room and she was like, like why do I know that guy I was like it's Basil she was like oh and she like sits down and we watch the she watches the whole thing <laughs> just <'cause it's> Basil <laughs> it's good uh, but I mean other than that like it's definitely it feels definitely like a precursor to Chicago especially if you've seen like because we saw Chicago this year this season that's correct if I remember correctly mm-hmm. so it's weird to see them kind of like so close together and yeah it's because you know Fosse went from this movie and then to Chicago and was like well we're just going to steal a bunch of stuff I did on Cabaret and we'll call it a day yeah. well I mean that was his style I mean that's the Fosse style though between this and Chorus Line yeah. or Chorus Line yeah um, 
you know, that's the fussy, fussy, fussy. Um, you know, then he went right. off and did the little prince. You know, you ever see that movie based on the, the French the French novel or um, novella? You're missing out. It's Gene Wilder yeah. dressed as a fox. You're missing out. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, the story, though, the story, which starts off fine, becomes needlessly complex for a musical. Um, wh- like, why does a musical have to be simple? It doesn't have to be simple, but for, for like, this is, this has some twists and turns that are kind of unnecessary. Like, you have these two divergent lines of, like, man and woman, woman instantly falls for guy, guy turns her down, and then they get together. Then you have the other one, you know, guy trying to marry for lots of money, and then somehow they all become a couple, because it's the 70s, apparently. Oh, well, no, 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 30s Berlin was wild, wild, like, that's, because they were all in post-depression, they were in, like, a depressive slump, because the entirety of World War One was blamed on them, you know, they were like, don't blame World War One on just Germany, and they're like, okay, we won't, blames entire World War on Germany, and then so, now we're like, we'll show you, yeah, right, and so Germany had to make huge restitutions for World War One, and so it just sent them into an awful economic spiral, which only compounded when the stock market crashed in America in the in the twenties. And so, thirties Berlin was huge into drugs and drinking and weird relationships and like all this stuff because they were just trying to escape any any sense of um they were like the awfulness that like their country was, which is how how national socialism like rose to such prominence because they were like, hey, everyone, things will be affordable. And everyone will get along, and we will reclaim what we should have been. Everyone goes, woohoo, that's good. I like that because we, we, we've not been fun recently. Um, and we'll start another world war. Wait a second. Wait. Are you a trick to me? Like, I'm Italian now for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then there was a bear for some reason in this movie. There sure like, was. But it was yeah, up, but it exited like, stage left, so it's fine. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's a, it's, I would, I would hesitate to call the movie fun. But it's a fun enough movie for a seventy movie. Yeah, Cabaret is uh, definitely not and, fun, and, but it's it's great. But it's not fun. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It was a little bit of fun. It, the music is fun without the without the nightmarish MC. It's fun. Yeah, Joel Gray, the man. And it ends before anything bad happens. So you know that's good. That's true. Well, eh, sure. Yeah, close. Good enough. Yeah. Um, give me some fun facts <laughs> on Cabaret. Uh, let's see. Cabaret. When filming the scene towards the end, where Carl Oscar what? No, no, no. That's the that's the immigrants. That's Sounder. Ah, there we go. The strange woman appearing at the beginning of the movie sitting in the back of the Kit Kat Club holding a cigarette is based on the 1928 painting Portrait of a Journalist, Sylvia von Harden, by German expressionist painter Otto Dix. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Billy Wilder, Joseph L. Mankiewicz, and Gene Kelly were briefly considered by the film's producers to direct the project before Bob Fosse was hired. Upon being hired, Fosse insisted upon revising J. Preston Allen's screenplay. Fosse instructed writer Hugh Wheeler to revise the film script in order to be more faithful to Christopher Urshwood's stories which were based on actual events. That's wild that this that was actually based on some actual events because their their life was very bohemian. Yeah, kind of like 
Moulin Rouge. Like this is this is like the pre like this is a mix between Chicago and Moulin Rouge. So, sure, yeah. So, before yeah. either of them existed, correct? Yeah. So yeah. you could say that Chicago <laughs> and, if and Moulin was... Rouge is a distillation of cabaret, I guess. <laughs> this is Moulin Rouge if everyone was sleeping with the Duke. Yeah, that's that's it. That's just actually that's close. <laughs> yep. Following the success of 1972 film Jean Ross, who inspired the character of Sally Bowles, was hounded by journalists before her death in 1973. She bitterly noted that reporters always claimed to seek knowledge about Berlin in the 30s and yet did not wish to know about the unemployment or the poverty or the Nazis marching through the streets. All they want to know is how many men I went to bed with. Yep, that sounds about that sounds about right. But see, the poverty and the Nazis and the unemployment, that's, you know, <laughs> just anything to take your mind off of that. So, all right, let's move on to Sounder, directed by Martin Ritt, written by Lon Elder III, based on the novel by William H. Armstrong, starring Cicely Tyson, Paul Winfield, and Kevin Hooks. The movie was nominated for Best Picture, Actor for Winfield, Actress for Tyson, and Adapted Screenplay. The movie won zero awards. The story revolves around the oldest son of a loving and strong family of black sharecroppers comes, who comes of age in the Depression-era South after his father is in prison for stealing food. Um, truthfully, I watched Sounder a, in, a long time ago in relation to us recording this episode, so my memory of it is going to be a little fuzzy. Um, so I recall that... Like the dog, Sounder. Yes, I recall there was a dog, but not really. Um, and I recall there was some there was some running. I thought it was well... There was a family. I thought it was... Yeah, there was a family. It was well... I, I do think it was well acted, though I had a hard time engaging in the story. Um, and, uh, like, and I felt like as as it was, like, getting the ball roll, Like, once... So, like, once the father goes to prison, you're like, okay, here we go. And then it's just a little bit more of, here we go, here we go. Oh, the movie's over. And then... So, I don't... I It, it didn't leave an impression on me. Um, and that's... that's you can't, Because I, I watched it so many weeks ago, I, like, I can't remember enough to even talk about it. You sound like me talking about every movie that you're like, I knew you would hate this, you know, when I saw it because nothing really ever happened. Like, yeah, the father, you know, becomes Jean Valjean and goes to jail Mm -hmm. for like a year, but you know, I don't think they really show, like, the family, he goes to jail, so the family's sharecroppers. He goes to jail, so now he's not there to help run the farm or bring in, or plant, bring in the crop, because he's gone for an entire year, so he's gone for an entire season of Mm -hmm. sharecropping, and the sharecropper who owns a convenience store in town is like, you know, how dare he do that, because who's gonna, you know, you're gonna owe me lots of money, and you're not gonna be able to bring in the crop, and the wife's like, don't worry, me and my kids will do it, and they do it with seemingly no issues. Yeah. Like it, like it doesn't really show like any. Get the general sense of the hardship, and you get the general sense of the hardship from them being a poor black family during this time and being sharecroppers. So there's like that overall sense. But other than that, there's no like they don't really face like oh my god, I you know we can't do this. Like it's not like they get close and then something happens and they have to do something else. It just happens, and they're and it's fine. Um, this movie also goes to. I think it goes out of its way to kind of curtail uh, racism to a point. There's scenes in which, like, 
so there's scenes in which uh, the wife goes to the police station after her husband's been arrested and she's like you know i want to see my husband and he's like you know we only allow visitors on holidays and on sunday okay and then when he goes to jail the policy of the justice system at the time is not to tell the family where like what prison camp the person's in mm-hmm. and it is it is a race-based rule but other than that there's like there's no real issues of racism which around this time would have been more prevalent so i think it kind of paints a little bit of a rosy view yeah i i agree i think there is a you have to commend them for making a movie like this in 19 in 1972 right because you know we're like coming out of like we're coming out of the civil rights we're coming out of the civil rights movement but tensions are still high and so here's this here's this movie about a black family star you know predominantly black actors you know it's not like it's not like a it's not a white savior story um or anything it's mm-hmm. it's just it's just the family this is their this is their life um that it's that is good that's a good th- that's a good thing to show but it's pr- it doesn't it's not hitting hard the way that it maybe should um and part of that i think right. is the story is just a little it just flows and i i understand that's more about the character development of the son in like how he starts as a boy he becomes right. a it's, man by the end so on and so forth does but he really become a man that's like, the thing though like I don't know if, like, like he goes he he goes off to college not necessarily college like he goes off to grade school but it's the same thing because they're sending him away to live with a to live with a teacher that he met when he went to go visit his father mm-hmm. at the prison camp uh, and you're right like I I'm fine with them kind of like this is what we're focusing on we don't want to focus on racism of the time uh, because like like I said the 70s for the most part just has like a very bleak worldview in the sense of their movies mm-hmm. uh, but you're right like it doesn't it doesn't leave a huge impression i think the mother and father give strong performances cicely tyson uh and paul winfield give really good performances but other than that like this is a book i had to read um in grade school that i would put reading quotes because i there's no way i read this book mm-hmm. or any book um so like when i saw this on the thing i was like oh i'll finally find out what this is about i remember it about it being a dog Apparently it wasn't. It's just named after the dog. Yep, which is also hilarious. also apparently there's a sequel to this movie. There's also a there's also a Disney adaptation that is just that focuses more on the dog. Is that right? Um, because there is a there is a Disney. I movie know called Sounder. I know there is a Disney version uh, that came out in the '90s. I honestly don't know if it takes more precedence on the dog. But almost in every like in every like book cover and and movie jacket cover I've seen. The dog is featured prominently on the on the art, so you might be mixing it up with that. Maybe. Although, did you know that the um um the the, the one that came out in the nineties um the one that came out in the nineties the Disney Presents one is actually directed by Kevin yep. Hooks, who is the boy in this movie. Ah, yeah. So that's that's my fun fact for you. Also, Carl Lumley <laughs> plays the Carl Lumley plays the father in the um nineties one. I I want to be on that set where the boys like trying to act, and then the director comes over you know when i played this role back in my young days yes yes. it's kind of it's kind of like that stage actor like directing yep that's exactly i played mercutio oh indeed uh give me some fun facts 
Cicely Tyson commented in a TMC, a TCM interview that director Martin Ritz, cinematographer, principal cameraman, while shooting the famous homecoming sequence, I think famous should be in quotes there, but okay, Mm -hmm. with Tyson and co-star Paul Winfield, was so moved by their performance that he was certain he missed framing the action properly in the shots and respectfully asked them to do the difficult scene again. They obliged, but later examination of daily rushes revealed that they got in shot the acting perfect the first time and the first take was a print wow wow <laughs> you you guys did really well um we forgot to put film the camera yeah <laughs> um, isn't that from isn't that actually from something probably <laughs> uh yeah um yeah that would be great if we were it would be perfect it would be great if we were filming i think that's a simpsons quote it, the um isn't the um the when they're filming the the uh, um oh my gosh what's the superhero's name um up and atom radioactive man. radioactive man i'm pretty sure that was i'm pretty sure that was the thing where they didn't have film in the camera i can't remember <laughs> i can't remember though anyway uh it's also a joke in um i think wayne's world 2 where the the bad guy christopher walken i think it is in this one is uh is doing a music video with his girlfriend and he thinks it's just a plot to sleep with his girlfriend and he's like you and i both know there's no film in this camera and he opens up the camera and the film just starts spooling out <laughs> When this film, with this film, Lon Elder III became the first African American person of color to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay. Elder is also the first African American and person of color to be nominated for screenwriting in general, along with Susan D. Passe, nominated for Best Original Screenplay for Lady Sings the Blues the same year. Hmm. Award-winning composer Alex North did a score for the film that was not used on July 8, 2014. Intrada Records released the score. But did not include the replacement score. Well, that's exciting. Okay, very nice. Ah, yeah, I can tell by your yawning. Yeah, it is so fascinating. Um, let's move on to a fascinating film, *The Emigrants*, directed by Jan Troel, uh, written by Bengt Forsland. Jan Troel, based on the novels by Wilhelm Moberg, starring Max von Sydow and Liv Ullmann, nominated for Best Picture, Best Actress for Ullmann, Director, and Adapted Screenplay. This movie won zero awards. Based in Smålandsfjorden, mid nineteenth century, a, fam- a farming family struggles with their rock unyielding land and decide to embark on the arduous journey to new hope in America. Um, this is a Criterion Collection film. It is um, so, which I said to Palmer um, the other day, I said that means it's either brilliant or, in quotes, brilliant. Um, and there's really no in-between. And which one was it? This is, uh, in quotes, brilliant um, for me. Mm. I didn't find that, I didn't think it was bad at all, really. It's like, the story's fine. Um, the acting's good. It's very pretty. Um, and it kind of has all the things that make a movie. It just, it just doesn't do and it just doesn't do, it has a beginning middle and end. it does it just doesn't really do anything of merit i thought i was kind of like as i was watching i was like okay like it's a movie it's a good movie it's well done but this like it's just kind of yeah moving through its story of oh, the land is no good maybe we should go Are to america still there? america sounds good let's get on this boat hey look we're on the boat oh look it's there america that we did it everyone um and that that was kind of like all right what's what's next so i was a little um i was a little confused confused as to kind of why it was nominated for why it was nominated for all this all the stuff like i didn't see what made the best director um or um or Liv ullman i thought she was if i if i'm thinking of who was the right person like i thought she was good but it was all fine what do you think uh, you know i i'm kind of with you on that there's um it it has a truth to tell and i think it gives us a more accurate depiction of not necessarily an accurate depiction 
fiction. It gives a much more glossy and fantasized opinion of what immigrating to America was like. Mm. You know, instead of like, you know, instead of like we have that glossy image of like Christopher Columbus discuss, you know, discovering America, but, you know, he killed a bunch of Indians. You know, same thing with all the early settlers. And we have we have movies upon movies of that happening. But this is like the, this is like what we picture, what we want the American dream, what we think of people in other countries doing. Like the American dream is they come over and then they settle somewhere. And yeah, there might be some hardships getting here or getting to where they're ultimately going to stay. But it's not like they commit genocides along the way or, or like well, sure, but I mean like crimes. America had already been around for almost 100 years by the time that they're like, we should go to America, you know, in this movie. This is mid-19th right. century. Right. Yeah, no, and, and you're right. Like, uh, but but I'm saying, like, this is, like, the idyllic American dream mm -hmm. in the sense of, like, we want a better life. We're, you know, we're moving. It is beautiful. I think Max von Sydow does really well here. Um, but other than that, like, you're right. It's a movie that's fine. And because it's more of an idyllic dream, there's a, like, it doesn't leave that much of an impression because it's not like they, you know, it's not like there's a, there is hardships, but there's nothing really big and, like, mountainous to overcome. Mm -hmm. There there are two things that I will I w would like to, that I liked that I want to point out. One, um, one is that, um, like you said, it's, it is I, I, idea-sized or idyllic, which I do kind of like, especially this is 1972, this movie comes in, so they're kind of, like, still entrenched in... This movie... Um, um, we're still entrenched in, like, Vietnam and, like, all this ugly American politics and like all this different stuff and so like kind of like that this like it wants to be it wants to kind of pump America back up again like look you know people mm -hmm. like it could be nice the other thing I like is that it's mostly about getting to America as opposed to already arriving and seeing that struggle like normally like you because it's the emigrants instead of the immigrants right because they are uh, they are traveling to and so normally you don't really get the just traveling to section of, right. of immigration it's always the okay we made it now what um and so i i kind of liked the i liked that it was all the build up to that to that movement yeah this movie is actually 1971 oh but it didn't um it, but it wasn't it wasn't released in america until 72 and then yeah give or take yeah and then it was nominated yeah. for the 73 gotcha gotcha yeah well yeah, fun. yeah. give me some facts right. when filming the scene towards the end where carl oscar walks off to find a better place for his settlement director jan Crowell forgot to yell cut. Max von Sydow just kept walking and walking, waiting for a cut, and nobody realized until they took lunch. <laughs> hey, Has where's anyone he going? Seen oh, he's just enjoying. No, he just kept walking. He's just enjoying. The, <laughs> he's just enjoying the scenery. Good for him. <laughs> it's really method acting. Hmm. The movie and its sequel, The New Land, 1972, were Oscar nominated on the same year, though in different categories. This is the first and only occurrence of such event. Hmm. Um, I believe they actually, from my understanding, this was one of the earlier instances of them filming back to back. Oh, okay. Oh, I like lost. the sequel, the movie yeah. and the sequel. So there's a there's a chance like they just waited to release both of them at the same time. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Jan Troll and Wilhelm Moberg had a disagreement whether the actors should use dialects. Troll wanted all the actors to speak the dialect spoken in Small Land where the story takes place. It actually says what the language is called and I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Mm -hmm. Small Landiska. Yeah, you nailed while it. While Moberg wanted no di <laughs> while Moberg wanted no dialects. As a compromise, Carl Oscar 
Oscar and Christina speak with a dialect, with many of the others, such as Robert and Arvid, only speaking with a very light accent. Wonderful, wonderful. You really yeah. outdid yourself with these fun facts for the immigrants. I think Look, some it's of your the, best. It's the seventies. There's not a lot of good. There's not a lot of good. Uh, we had about the 70s. We had a gas crisis. We didn't have time for fun facts. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Godfather, um, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, written by Mario Puzo, based on his novel, and Francis Ford Coppola. Um, starring Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, James Caan, Diane Keaton, Robert Duvall. Nominated for Best Supporting Actor for James Caan, Best Supporting Actor for Robert Duvall, Best Supporting Actor for Al Pacino. Director, costume designer, um, sound, editing, music, which I don't know if this is one of your fun facts, but the music actually was nominated, but then came um, uh, illegible or ineligible because the main theme, the love theme, da 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 that we all know is actually a reworked or reused version of Nino Rito's Fortunella music. So like a song that he composed for another movie, he reworked for The Godfather and that's how it stuck. And so the Academy was like... And it wasn't enough original. It wasn't original enough, so they actually revoked the original um, original music um, award. But it ended up getting nominated, but Godfather 2 ended up getting nominated for original music, which still had that music in it. And then it won Best Music for Godfather 2, so whatever. Um, this movie won Best Picture, Best Actor for Brando, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, story is about an organized crime dynasty uh, and their aging patriarch who transfers control of his clandestine empire to his reluctant son, Al Pacino. The Godfather, widely considered one um, of the greatest films of all time. I think that it is just fine. I think it's overblown. And Ooh, I'm, I'm, no, I'm interesting. Just, I'm actually, I'm kidding. I actually, dish. dish. No, I actually. No, no, really too late. No. You, you already started this. Now you got to stick with it. No, I really like that. I really like the Godfather quite. The, a, I like. The I like of Palmer in this movie. Yeah. No, I like the Godfather quite a bit. Um, I I think the performances are outstanding. I love the. I love the descent of Michael Corleone. I love that's my family. K. That's not me. To literally, that's me. I am the head of the family, and I th- like. I think it it tracks that really well. It's endlessly quotable. I I think my favorite. It's just not a popular one, but I'm like, hey, Mikey, come here. You never know when you're gonna have to learn. You never know when you have to cook for twenty people. Just, I don't know why that strikes me <laughs> so funny. Um, and uh, but I think I, I think it's beautiful. I, it's beautifully shot. It's iconic. Mostly, I think because people have propped it up to be that. And I so like think like Brando's performance is is outstanding. It's a memorable character. He's very powerful. All this stuff. I do think The Godfather sits a little bit in the wow. This movie blew my mind for a very particular generation, and that generation is still talking about it therefore it has stayed like culturally within that within that moment so that I don't know if that diminishes the work because people obviously keep coming to the Godfather and they go oh no it actually really is good like I know um, I had a kid in my class this year whose favorite movie is the Godfather like he just like he loves it just like all like all three of them he's like "Mm, three's just okay but he's like those the first two no three's great yeah my mom thinks three's great three's her favorite because I don't don't know about that's why your mom is great yeah I know she is but um yeah, but um, so um, I so I think there is a I think of like you've got mail when Meg Ryan's like, what is it with men in the Godfather? And he's like, oh, well, hmm. 
you know, like the Godfather is the I Ching. It's the answer to all of life's questions. Like, what day of the week is it? Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> so I don't think I, so I don't, my original comment, it's just okay, it's overblown. It's not true, but I do think that, uh, like, I don't know if it's, it's always on, like, it's the greatest movie of all time. And I'm like, it's excellent. It's absolutely one of the great movies. I don't, I can't say it's the greatest movie ever made. Like, I don't know if you no, can ever that's really. Avatar. I, I don't, well, I, uh, fiscally, sure. You know, but I don't know if you can ever actually pinpoint what the greatest movie is because of tastes and changes and like all this different stuff. I don't know if that's something that you can ever definitively say this is the greatest. Um, because, I can. well, I mean, like, I mean, you can, but I mean, like, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, this is exactly the kind of movie that kind of rubs you the wrong way because it's about bad people and it glorifies bad people and bad behavior. Um, and so like, and that's normally something that you don't, you don't like. So what do you think of the Godfather? Well, this is maybe the third or fourth time I've seen it. The first time I saw it was when it got released for the first time on DVD and they made like a huge deal. They were, you know, they put both versions of each of the movies, the regular and the extended ones on the DVDs and, or the director's cuts on the DVDs. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to finally watch these because everyone says like how great these movies are and I saw the first one and I'm like why the hell does everyone say these movies are great and I watched the second one I still had that and the third one I was like alright third one's really good I like Andy Garcia as I've watched these now three, about three or four times I've grown to appreciate them and you're right usually these movies about like morally great people or trying to prop up bad people as good guys rubs me the wrong way but at the same time like we when we first see these when we get to these people mm. like um, Al Pacino is an inherently good guy like he doesn't want to deal with the with the mob business mm-hmm. Marlon Brando in his own way is a good guy like the first scene we see is this guy like coming to him being like these two boys beat up my kid I want you to kill him and he's like no that's not justice mm-hmm. like you know we'll we'll beat them up and that'll be you know and we'll call it good and then like even like the 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 whole plot line of like them the, like the drug business coming in and being like you know we want to use your protection and that and he's like no like drugs is a horrible business like mm-hmm. I, we want nothing to do with that like hookers and gambling are vices that are illegal but shouldn't be or shouldn't be looked down upon so like they have a weird sort of they have more of a weird sort of moral code than most of the yep. than most of the people like that they try and do these movies with so that is why this movie doesn't rub me the wrong way now the only one you could say that doesn't necessarily have that moral code is Sonny, but then Sonny dies anyway, so it's fine. True, right. And, and I mean, like, um, but the point is that they're trying, like, the, you know, the Coyones or the, the family is trying to defend against that style anyway. It's even, even if Sonny right. doesn't die, like, there's a reason that he's really not lined up to be the next head of the family, like, because they're like, well, Sonny doesn't. But he, but, he, but the only reason he is is because, the only reason he doesn't is because he dies. Correct. Like, but they none of like, nobody was happy. Um, Vito happy doesn't want it. Michael as head of the family, right? Well, because he's so anti what the family is in the first place that he would he would be the one to dismantle it. But 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 um but Michael the whole reason Michael gets involved in the first place is becomes it becomes personal for him as opposed like he under, right. like he understands the the I guess the nature of what he has to do and the importance of his family and I don't know yeah I, honestly I think the last mm, ten minutes of this movie I or 
the last 15 minutes, that juxtaposition between the baptism and the, the, the mob slayings, you know, like, I just think that's, yeah. I, that makes the movie. I think there's a lot of good stuff in the movie. That last 15 minutes is some of the best movie editing ever. Well, yeah, he's getting baptized into the family. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. He's baptized, but it's like baptized and, by blood while the kids and baptized even then, by like, water. All he's, those people he's becoming that he can... the godfather while he's becoming the godfather. Like, there's a lot of good, like, he's yeah. the godfather of the kid. It's like, it's like, so good. And like, even there, like, all the people that he kills at the end deserved it. Sure. Like, it, it, based you on know, the Corleone, and, based on the Corleone moral, like, code, whereas like that, like you said at the beginning, I mean, that's not justice. Based on any moral yeah. code. I well, guess. you know what I mean. I it, know. Granted, yeah. it's not, it's not justice, and I understand that, but to a point, like, that's how it was always going to end, so whatever. But I think, like, this movie do, goes a long way. Like, it sets up Michael, who doesn't want to be part of the family, and yet, at the end, he is, he is the head of the family, and it's kind of the start of a downward descent, but he starts that downward descent at the end of this movie for good reasons, and it's not until, like, the sequel that we really see him descend into, right. into like, becoming the Godfather, and more like his father. Right, because Godfather um, 3 is around then, his reascension, right? Or he wants the reconciliation, that's kind of the whole, his whole big right, thing. Right, because, like, even, like, when he starts taking over, he's like, look, we're gonna go legit. We're getting out of New York, we're getting out of all of this, we're gonna go out to Vegas, we're gonna be, you know, we're gonna invest in cons- some casinos, and in a few years, all of our money will be made legitimately. Mm-hmm. Like, he wants to bring the family legit, and he just never gets there. It's always like that, well, we could do this, but we have to do this bad stuff first. Mm-hmm. And it's always like, like that's that's the, that's the his biggest stumbling block. The biggest thing I see in this movie, and I didn't notice it until this time around, watch, when you watch the movie and you see Al Pacino from the very beginning to the very end, like, I don't know how long it took to, to, to make this movie, but there is a stark visual difference in Al Pacino from, like, even say, the first two-thirds of this movie to when he comes back from, to like when he becomes the Godfather. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, I mean, like, that's, it, the, that's, is, the, that's the magic of movie makeup. You know, that's... Yeah, like, it is such a... But like, you know, we always, we joked on The Godfather too, like how close Al Pacino and um, Robert De Niro kind of looked like each other, mm-hmm. you know, as the younger version of Vito and, and Michael. But he doesn't look like that until like the very, very end of this movie. And it like, it's just, if it's, if it's all makeup and not just like time passing, it's great. Like I can, I like this movie should have won like every award just for its makeup. Um, but as we know, this movie also takes place over several years, so you had to kind of age the people a bit. Correct. Yeah, but I think you're right. It, the, the the make apart from, I mean, even Brando's makeup is really subtle. It's not like I mean, he was only like 47 or something like that. Like it when he uh, when he did the movie. Um, and so like the the boyish optimism of Michael like as Brando. Uh, no 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 of Michael and then he like slow like he gets the big dark circles under his eyes he looks a little bit more haggard carries himself differently those are all really subtle choices that you don't like yeah. they're the things that show you the passage of time because if you're not paying attention this movie's like 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 oh, how long does this movie like how like it takes place over like what a, like a week you know like you have no idea like, oh, he flew all the way to Italy and we got married and came back within a week that's that's nuts you know it's not until you're looking at like Kay's kids and how old they are and like stuff like that that's um that's, Kay doesn't have kids um not uh not Kay um um Connie Connie thank you um yeah yeah Connie has kids yeah 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 because that's the whole thing like becoming the godfather blah 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 and so but I like that yeah. like you're like slowly why like it starts with Connie's wedding 
and then it goes to the baptism. So like if you're like logically thinking like, oh, at least got like they've got a couple years, you know, of of being in this of being in this timeline. It's good. Yeah, it's at least it's at least like it's two to three years because he goes off to Italy and he stays there for about a year. And when we see him, when we see him reunite with Kay, she asks how long has he been back? And he says a year, maybe, maybe more. Right. So, so that's at least two years down. Um, but yeah, no, this, I will say, do I think, do I think it's like the top, one of the top 10 movies of all time? In my opinion, I think artistically and technically speaking. Yeah. 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 It probably, do I think it's, you know, does it, does it make my top 10 of all time? No, but it, it's, it, it creeps higher every time I watch it, mm-hmm. which I think is a good thing for a movie. Like it, like for a three hour movie for me to be like, you know what? I'm fine with rewatching this movie every, like every couple of years. It, it's really, it's, it's very well acted. It has a lot of good dynamic and a lot of interesting things for a three hour movie that never really feels boring. Mm-hmm. And that's difficult to do. Yeah. And I'm not huge on, on gangster movies, crime movies. Like they just, it's just not, right. uh, it's just not what I'm interested in, but I, but I really enjoy the Godfather and you're right. It's probably not on my personal like top 10 or whatever of all time, but it definitely is in the, like the, these are the hundred movies you should see before you die list. And it, and it's, which is not yeah. like my personal, like different than my personal list. And yeah, that one's on there. Top 10. Easy. You should see the Godfather. Yeah. Yeah. I could make an argument that you don't yeah. have to see Godfather two. A lot of people like two better. And like, I like the multiple timeline story and like the way that that is done and whatever. What, but I just think start strong with the first one. What, what works for me in the Godfather is how understated everything is like it doesn't call it like you just kind of lit you're absorbed in the world of the 40s um into the 50s like but you're never it never really calls attention to the fact that it's period right you know how some movies are like flashily period like it wants you to know that like mm-hmm. look at the art deco or look at the this look at the curves on the cars and this is this is just the world they live in um and so yeah. like that like michael corleone's um, um, don corleone's um desk let's say makes a huge statement in his office it's like a centerpiece in the room it's massive it's mm-hmm. this like seat of power and all of this stuff but only if you look at it that way otherwise it's just the room you know and then you know uh yes yeah, so it's just really it's great um it's great give me some fun facts on the godfather james Kahn improvised the part where he throws the fbi photographer's camera to the ground the actor's frightened reaction is genuine Kahn also came up with the idea of throwing money at the man to make up for breaking his camera as he put it where i come from you break something you replace it or re paid the owner. Good for James Conn. Yeah. Marlon Brando did not memorize most of his lines and read from cue cards during most of the film. As a matter of fact, Marlon, who was the father of method acting, was famous for this. He felt that doing a cold open type reading for the camera and then using that very first unpracticed take was the best way to get an authentic performance. He did the same exact thing for Superman. The set of Krypton was filled with cards pasted here and there for Marlon to read as he read his lines for the first time. I feel like he said says that it's better but that's just his way of being like i'm not memorizing this not doing it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no it's it, it, i mean to be fair like how many awards did he win no it works it, it obviously 
Obviously, it works for him, but he, like, found a system that works for him that wouldn't work for everybody else. There's no way. <laughs> it's also, like, if you're if you're a, a, um, an improviser as a director or a cinematographer, like, and you want to, like, try different things, let's try different angles, you could be like, oh, we got to move the stupid cue cards out of the way so they won't be in the shot. So I have to, like, try. I want to try this shot, but I can't because this giant cue card or note card is in the way. It's in the bowl of fruit. Can we have this bowl of fruit here now? Can we have to move it? Like, I just... Uh, it must well, be I mean, there's now. also what this what this doesn't take into account is like he talks about this like being, like he doesn't memorize it prior to doing the scenes. You know, maybe it only takes him one or two readings to memorize something. So maybe like you can still do that oh, after point. like take two. You know, it's yep, an excellent point. You know, I I kind of get what he's saying, and you're right. It, it's like a way of being like it's kind of a way of being lazy, but at the same time, like I I kind of you know it obviously works. It obviously Francis works Ford for Coppola him. turned. Francis Ford Coppola turned in an initial director's cut running two hours and six minutes. Paramount, Pi- the Paramount Pictures production chief Robert Evans rejected this version and demanded a longer cut with more scenes about the film. The final release was nearly 50 minutes longer than Coppola's initial take. I really liked, like, this is one of the only times in movie history they went to the studio and they were like, this should be longer. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I know. Like, I know that you'll make less money because you'll have less shows. Looking at UWB. But yeah, it should be this should be longer. Yeah, um, um, that was three. I'm surprised that you didn't. I'm surprised um, that this was not one of your fun facts. But I will make it one of mine that um, both Marlon Brando and Al Pacino did not go to the awards ceremony. So Brando got nominated for best actor um, and didn't go because is this because the one Brando... where he sent a? Is this the one where he sent a woman dressed as an Indian to accept his award? I do believe so. Yeah, I think that's the one. But I was actually more interested in the Pacino side of things where Pacino thought that he it was an insult to be nominated as best supporting actor because the mo- by, by merit of screen time Michael has more screen time than Vito and so and it really is actually Michael's movie yeah no it's, it, it's yeah it's not Vito's like the Godfather like it may be named the Godfather but they're both the Godfather like that you know like at one yeah. point in the film it's Michael's movie and for some but Brando's Brando so he gets the leading actor nod and Michael gets the and Michael gets the supporting actor and he's like I don't agree with that that's not that's not right that's not the the movie and so he didn't go to he didn't go to the awards I wonder if he would have still been fine with it like if him and Brando were nominated for best actor I think he probably would have been a little bit more accepting of it like maybe would have gone knowing that he probably would lose to Brando but you know here's the living legend Al Pacino yeah. you'll have your chance don't worry about it um and so but I um I agree I agree with Pacino like it he should have been nominated for best actor and Brando should have been nominated for supporting actor because like as the, supporting doesn't mean that you're not as in, like you're not as important it just means that that you are supporting the plot or the narrative of the main character that doesn't like doesn't mean that you weren't good at what you did yeah I don't I agree with you like this is this is Michael's movie to an extent like it's about his rise like in theory like the saga is you're right rise descent rise or rise descent redemption mm-hmm. but just taking this movie on a like holistic approach in and of itself i'm i'm fine with making the argument that this movie is about vito's like like power waning or like his end of life and if you wanted to sell me on the fact like he's the main he's the main protagonist in that respect i would be fine with it but you're right like if you made like I think the argument is made
like co-best actors would have been weird, but I think you could have made the argument for it. Yeah, I think co-best like, actors, I don't think, based on I don't what you think said. Vito is, I don't think Vito's uh, like a supporting character. No, I, based on what you said, it's probably it probably should have been two co-leads. Like, it's, you know, his, yeah. Michael's rise, Vito's fall, you know, like, and they parallel each other, you know, like, they parallel each other as, like, Michael's, like, that's not my family to, I am the head of the family, and and as and then, you know, Don Corleone is like, you come here on the day of my daughter's wedding, you ask me this favor, blah, 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 yeah. blah, You know, he is the head of the family. <laughs> we see a big family event at the beginning of the movie, and by the end, he is no longer the head of the family. Um, And so, right. like, you know, height of his power to, to diminishing, uh, di- power diminished. And so I can see, I you the argument certainly can be made that it is it is both of their movies, but I, I really think it's maybe just because of Godfather two and three, it's really more Michael's movie. It's oh, obviously Michael's story. Yeah. Um. Although to, because even the the fall of Don Corleone is all in favor of Michael in in terms of narrative, right? And so it's all it's all to support Michael's story, not like Michael's rise to power doesn't support Don Corleone's story, but Vito's like like you know getting shot and yeah. not being the Godfather. That I also just... that only supports Michael. Yeah, I think the only, I, honestly, I think the only case to be made for him getting Best Actor nomination is if we're if you allowed both to get nominated. Like again, like this is just like how I look at it, and because and and I'm thinking about this because there are while this is very clearly as far as everybody else aside from Vito Michael's story, there are large portions of this movie that Michael is just like absent and not like a part of mm-hmm. that kind of that kind of pushed like. It's like, yeah, he's eventually the focus, but we're kind of pushing him into the background, so you don't really see that. Not I don't want to say like you don't see that coming, but it's it's very close like that, you know, because you have the you have all those parts of Sonny like running the family, and Michael is out in Italy. Like, there's only a couple scenes of Michael in Italy, and that's you know a good chunk of the movie while he's out there. Mm-hmm. No, that's it's actually, not that's like until really the point. last, you know. And I think it's just a matter of like De Niro or Pacino being like, you know. I was on screen more than Marlon Brando, and you were, but yeah, but it's Marlon Brando. It, but it's also Marlon Brando, so and that's probably also why yeah. he was like. And we have to, and we have to give him the award because we're gonna skip his award nomination for Island of Doctor Moreau. Which exactly, the travesty, yeah, yeah, absolute travesty. Um, so anyway, you can find um, you can find us on Academy Rewind at Twitter dot com and Timothy PG thirteen on Twitter. You can rate and review us on iTunes and all the places podcasts can be found. You can um, support us at Thoughtable Audio. Audio.com on Patreon or thoughtbubbleaudio.com and patreon.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio um, and uh, don't email us at academyrewind at gmail.com um, Nah, do it. No, don't. I'm not checking. I don't even know the password. It's anymore. your life. Do what you want. That's right. Um, let's talk 1973 Rewindies, shall we? Um, so, sure. um, all the categories, um, supporting actor all the way down to best picture. Um, should we start throwing director in here? Just because? No. No, let's no. not? Okay. Because you know what? That's no. best picture for us. Best Picture is also Best Director. Yeah. They, they made it happen. Um, yeah. So, uh, Best Supporting Actor, I'm going to give to Marlon Brando in The Godfather because he was the supporting actor. Coward. Yeah. You're sheer, sheer coward. I am going to give it to... 
I'm gonna give it to uh, the the nightmare that is Joel the Gray MC from Joel Cabaret. Gray yeah. Master Ceremonies in yeah. um, Cabaret. Great choice in, in Cabaret. Great choice. Do you yeah. know um, Joel Gray was on the Muppets? I always think about that. Um, I think about that a lot. Joel Gray um, not being a horrible nightmare on the Muppets, and then he was the wizard in did, the original cast of Wicked. Did you know that Joel Gray was also the person who invented the tea? Um, no, that was Earl Gray. Obviously, that was his middle name. No, it wasn't. No, Earl. His full name <laughs> is Joe Earl Gray. Fooled you. Earl was his title. <laughs> <laughs> um, supporting actress, I'm going to give to Diane Keaton from The Godfather because let's be serious, there were not a lot of supporting uh, supporting actresses in these movies that we watched. Um, you know, it's funny. I'm going to give it to I'm going to give it to the Jewish student from Cabaret. Sure, that's good. You don't even know her name. That's solid. Very good. Yeah. Um, production design. I'm going to give it to Cabaret. Uh, Godfather. Costume design, I'm also going to give to Cabaret. Uh, yeah, Cabaret. Makeup and hairstyling, The Godfather. Cabaret. Okay. Music, I'm giving to Cabaret, because I will follow the it wasn't original music rule that the Academy had laid out this time. Ah, uh, I'm going to give it to Deliverance. Yeah, for dueling banjos. Just just the <laughs> yeah. beginning there. Yeah. Just for dueling banjos. Yep. yep. Um, visual effects, I'm going to give to Deliverance, because whatever. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't effects. He really climbed that mountain. I know. I was like, what great green screen? I mean, that's an effect. That's stunt performance that it kind of like rolls in there with that. So it's either that or the Godfather. Uh, and I was like, the with, Godfather is just. I was going to say, I'm going like, to go with the Godfather. Yeah. It exploded a car with a woman that's inside. True. They did explode a car. I'm going to keep Deliverance, though. I'm going to keep it. I believe that they were really <laughs> rafting down that river because they actually were. Um, cinematography, I'm going to give to Cabaret. Yeah. Yeah, right. Cab- yeah. Cabaret? Yeah. Cabaret had, ama- yeah. Cabaret had amazing cinematography. I was totally enthralled it, it by did. it. It did. Yeah. 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 Um, editing, I'm going to give to The Godfather, specifically for the baptism scene. Just It's going to win yeah. for that Godfather. 15 minutes. Um, yep. Sound, I'm going to give to Cabaret. I'm going to give it to Sounder. Sounder. Okay. No, I'm going to so give no. it to Deliverance. <laughs> you know, I always gave it to Deliverance, too. I, w- I was close because I was like, it. Like we know that 70s audio equipment was not great. And it sucked. It was awful. <laughs> like, And almost everything got re- ADR'd, re-recorded in the studio. And I was like, that's a lot of water that I'm constantly hearing and the levels to that water and when it takes place and when it doesn't. I was like I was really close but I just think movie musicals are really hard to make me believe they're singing and that it looks correct and the sound is right and like so I'm going to go with Cabaret. Because when they're really singing it doesn't sound nearly as well. Looking at you Les Mis. Yeah well that's because they were actually singing. Yeah they were singing on set and like right. it, it, like but yeah but when movie musicals sometimes when they, they just they'll, they'll mouth the words instead of actually singing them on set and then syncing it that way and it just doesn't work and it looks horrible but Cabaret did it and they did it well so um, um, so there's that best actor I'm going to give to Al Pacino in The Godfather uh, Marlon Brando in The Godfather of course of course actress I'm going to give to Liza Minnelli for Cabaret Liza Minnelli writing I'm going to give to The Godfather writing I am going to give to The Immigrants right on okay and best picture I'm going to give to The Godfather The Godfather it is it is agreed upon what a wonderful day this is. We agree upon Best Picture. We have both made each other yep. very happy. Um, yeah, that's great. It's, and best yeah. best use of an animal in a movie, the cat from The Godfather. The cat from The Godfather. Yes, absolutely.
absolutely. No, I because the, it didn't get at the beginning it, of it the didn't movie, get he, any he, fur he, on his black tux at all. It's a magic cat. <laughs> it was amazing. It was actually a stray. Oh, that's was it really? No. Yeah, like Francis Ford Coppola like saw it randomly wandering around the the lot, and he was like, "Here you go, Marlin. Here's a cat." That's amazing. I that's amazing. Um, okay. Up next, 1963, we have Lawrence of Arabia. Mutiny on the Bounty with Marlon Brando this time. The Music Man, The Longest Day, Aww. and To Kill a Mockingbird. I this never happens. I'm I was excited. I'm excited to watch all of these movies. Um, for I'm excited for totally to different watch reasons. everything but The Music Man. You don't like The Music and Man? The day. You don't like The Music Man? I've never seen it. Oh, oh, you're in for a treat. I love The Music Man. You're in for a treat. Um, the it's actually good and like not in like a <laughs> like seven wives for seven wives for seven brothers kind oh. of way. Yeah, it's not like that. It's like actually good. Um, so um, you enjoy the Music Man. I've actually already watched two of them. I've already watched Music Man: The Longest Day. So catch up. Um, just as a sneak preview, The Longest Day will indeed be the longest day of your life. <laughs> just so you're aware. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's it from us. But it's a good thing because they're playing us off. No, I have more. Some uh, people. Not thank too bad. People Bye. more. <laughs> Bye. Bye.